Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. What a joy. What a joy to be here this morning. I, I, I love people like you. Just turn and look at the people around you and you'll see what the challenge is behind that statement. I love people like you. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I'm kind of based up here a little bit now. And um, one of the things which I just, I don't know, I just love doing it, is I love meeting people that have never been in the building before. Because I know how it can kind of be a bit scary, a bit daunting uh, uh, and that. But, But more importantly than that, the reason why I love people coming through the door is because I want them to come into the door of me. And it's not about me, please. I know what I'm like, right? My wife knows what I'm like, which is why she's not here today. No, that's not true. Um, <laughs> my wife knows what I'm like, right? She's actually a mum. It's her mum's birthday today. Bless her heart. But the reason why I want people to come into my life is because I know what changed my life more than anything. That was knowing Jesus. So I kind of reckon that when I let people through the door, through the door of my life, it just gives them such a great opportunity to know that Jesus is real and loves them. To, to be honest, I, I, I've really grappled with trying to get my head around what I believe God wants to bring this morning because there's so much. There is a lot. But I just want to start with what a, what a great family to dedicate today. Reason being is, can you remember some of the things that these parents said about their young people? Just shout them out. Peace. Do you know what peace is? Okay, you Hebrew people. Do you know what peace is? Peace is not a lack of noise. Peace is not circumstances just go quiet. I've discovered, and I want to share with you, that peace is about the presence of a prince of peace. Peace is a powerful part of who Jesus is and what he does for you and for me. And I just love that, that we have peace in the room. One young person is peaceful. I also like that the other one, because I know the family, is more of a get-up-and-go person. So within two different people, you've got two aspects of this multifaceted God. One peace, one get-up-and-go. I love that. Still the same God. And then we had another one, uh, and I like this, another one. Can you tell us another one? Second family, what was this? A prophet. What doesn't just mean you make money, okay? That's not what that's talking about. But what I caught was praise and thanksgiving. And I just love that reality that with another family, there's another aspect of who God is and what God's done. Don't you just love that? And then we had this amazing family up here. And to be honest, I couldn't write down everybody's names quick enough. Or spell them properly, properly. So, but what I got from you guys was about flourishing and being fruitful. Is this okay? Now the reason is, is because it's a tremendously visual demonstration of Ephesians 4, which we're going to look at in a moment. Whereas there's five, six, seven different people here, they all responded to being dedicated because they believe God hears them. You may not know this, but God hears you. What freaks me out is God hears me when it's still a thought in my head. Yes. And if you know that sometimes your thoughts are not always 
pink fluffy rabbit thoughts. Do you know that? And yet, God isn't a pink fluffy rabbit God. He loves me more than the damage that my thoughts can do. But there was just a sense of we all believe that God is faithful. He's a father. We give our children into his loving care. That's called faith. And there's a unity in that, which is indestructible. I just love it. I want to share some, a, a, a real-time story. This, this story really, really happens in the Bible. Uh, and before Colin freaks out, we are going towards Ephesians 4. <laughs> is that okay? So please, go with it a little bit. You'll get the idea when you go through the story. But I just believe, as I was praying about this, and, and to be honest... Just in the way that I, I seem to respond to God, I would have liked to have known I was speaking today, yesterday. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> because, because I just I just love Jesus and I love you and I love the people online. I just want a fat portion of God to give you. But I don't have time to give you all of that. So this is just like a starter. In, there's a gospel, one of the four kind of probably most well-known books about Jesus' life. In the book of Mark, all right? Don't worry if you haven't got a Bible, it's fine. It's going to come up on the screen. Here's a story here, and I just want to pull out some thoughts, and then we're going to dive into Ephesians 4, but it will make far more sense. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go to the other side. I just want to let you know that God, Jesus, has a calling. He has a direction for your life. And he's determined to stick with it until you get there. All right, could you just, just go with it a little bit? Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. I love that whole sense of unity, cooperation, collaboration. There is a lovely Kenyan saying that on our own we can run fast, but together we can run far. And I love the lady, whose name I can't remember, please forgive me, who said, it takes a village to raise a child. If we can bring that into this setting where when, when you're in the boat with Jesus, you're not just the only boat, there's loads of boats. But we're all travelling in the same direction. We might look different. We might have sails. We might have boats. We might have robes. We might be cut. Or like me, we might just be sup people. Now you're looking like I'm weird. Stand up paddle boarding. I know I don't look like it, but I'm a stand up, sometimes fall over a lot of the time paddle boarder. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so it was nearly swamped. Furious, angry, unsettled, noisy, disturbed the peace, disturbed their journey. How many of you know that life can be like that? But when you're in the boat with Jesus, something happens. And we're going to, this is a living example of how Ephesians 4 works. Jesus was in the back of the boat sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? It's, it's a bit of a silly question, but they didn't know Jesus then like they did afterwards. Otherwise, they'd know the answer is, no, of course I don't. Because I love you. That's why I'm in the boat with you. Because when, according to Ephesians 4, we are going to look at that in a moment. 
When you have been captivated by the love of Jesus, two funny things happen to you. One, you get totally set free from everything that stops you knowing God personally. And and uh, Connie mentioned some of those when we were praying. But at the same time, you become a prisoner of Christ. Because I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to serve anybody else. He's very kind uh, that, that Colin, you know, did, said that. But for me, I just want to serve Jesus. Then it goes on. Jesus got up and rebuked. He told the waves off. He said, be quiet and be still. And the wind died down. It was completely calm. It is amazing how Jesus didn't just know direction and vision, which is what the Bible calls is a bit like an apostle. They know where they're going. They kind of know where they want to go. But also, when the storm came up, he knew exactly what to say. That's a little bit what the Bible calls being a prophet. Some of you are getting this, right? Yes. But also, he didn't say, oh, you're a bunch of idiots. No, he loved on them. He cared for them. That's what the Bible calls being pastoral, loving people. Yes. Making sure that they feel safe and secure. I mean, you know what I'm talking about here. But then it goes on another little bit. Connie, me, I'll get in there, okay? Peace and comfort deals with the issues outside of the boat. When Jesus is in your boat, he's going to deal with your circumstances, but then he's going to deal with you. (laughs) See, a lot of you are saying yes because you know this is true. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And again, what I loved about these families coming up is they all, they all uh, revealed faith. Yeah. We, we believe from this moment, God's going to look after my young person more than I can. Yeah. But I also believe that I'm part of that journey with God's help. Yeah. You with me now? Yeah. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Why? Because Jesus knows about vision and direction. He knows how he wants to use our lives. And he's determined to follow through. He knows how to speak the right things into our lives so that we know what to say when the storm comes. He also cares for us more than he cares for the storm. But he'll teach us how to care for the others on the boat. Colin, you can breathe out now. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1, that's the relief. I felt the relief. Is this a, are, you, are you making some sense? I just wanted to show you that as a, as a prologue to this because Jesus is everything that we need and everything that we talk about in some of this bit of the Bible. Jesus is those things. And it isn't just those things because it's a title. He's those by his function. So Ephesians chapter 4, I love the book of Ephesians. I got so much out of um, uh, uh, Pastor Collins. I find it funny saying Pastor Collins, but he is, is. and he's right. But Pastor Collins' wife, Kate, I loved it last week. I don't have loads of um, visual aids, all right? These families were part of the visual aid. I thought about, should I bring a boat? Should I just leave the taps on in all the toilets? Whatever. And I thought, no, no, it's fine, because you probably all have your own storm. I don't want to put that on someone. Maybe you're just thinking, oh, tra-la-la-la-la, my life is wonderful. I have no idea. But it might be that you feel the sound of fury and anxiety. I have no idea. But let's dip into 
Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Is that present tense or past tense? Right, because when you receive Jesus as your saviour, you also receive his calling to live full. But here's the strange thing about it. They all look differently. Like these lovely children, they all express a different part of who Jesus is. When you receive your calling, it all looks different from the person next to you. But I need the person next to me to make it work. You understand that? But sometimes we just don't know. Maybe our finances calling us. Maybe our education's calling us. Maybe our physicality's calling us. Like we were reminded last week, maybe our identity is calling us. But let me tell you, when Jesus calls you, like the story, he is faithful. He is faithful. Even when I'm not, even when you're not, even when my friends are not, he is faithful, comma, and he will do it. Be completely humble and gentle. I'll just give you a litmus test on this, what this kind of has meant for me. You'll only know when you're humble when someone treats you like a servant. (laughs) Sorry. I used to do a little thing at at Rothy Place, which is a building way over there somewhere. We had a Bible school over there and, and I used to do this on purpose and I had to get forgiveness after a while. But on the first day of term, I used to just turn up with all my scruffy gear on, right? Not, not the, well, no, maybe you think this is, I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> I love you anyway. I used to turn up with all my scruffy stuff on, and I would wait in reception and just pick up bags and, you know, drive things around and pick up bits of paper. But sometimes I'd leave a mess somewhere to see which student walked past it. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes I do it here. Because a servant, I believe, does for somebody else something that's going to make them a bit bigger than you. So when Jesus came to earth, when he was living this Mark story, one of the things he said at the beginning was, I haven't come to be served. I've come to serve. But on this first day of term, it used to make me laugh because I'd sit in reception and just be chatting. I had all my scruffs on and people come in and out, in and out, in and out. And a few people were really bold and they said, oh, can you help me with my back? La, 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 la. And they used to have a shock of their life in the evening when I turned up as the <laughs> director of studies at the Bible school. You could see all the blood running out of their face. And I, I found it funny. I had to get forgiveness, but I found it funny. But let me tell you something. Everybody that picked up the bit of paper is now really serving the Lord in significant places. Because when our lives are captivated by Christ, we serve him first, people second. And I believe in the body of Christ, and and there are some gifted people around the body of Christ, deliberately, to help me serve better. But another one as well is is to be gentle. What does gentle mean? My my wife always says to me, be gentle, be gentle. (laughs) Hold that thought captive, right? Let's not go there. Excuse me on stream. I thought we had some adults in the room. (laughs) The reason why I became a grandpa was to teach me what gentleness looks like. You see, I didn't have that outworking, inworking. I need someone else to help me get it. It's like patience. How many of you say, Lord, give me patience? (laughs) Then you have to wait for something. 
or someone who didn't use to wind you up, just wind you up. That's it. Right. Because in the body, in our, in our, let's train up a child in our village, I need someone else. I need people around me to help me learn what humility and gentleness looks like, but also what peace is like, really, and patience is like. Then it goes on, make every effort. Make every, do you know what every effort means? Every effort. In other words, I need some people around me to help me know that when I've made an effort, there's more effort that I can make. Come on. Because you, you're only going to make the effort that you made last time. And if it works, you'll do it again. If it didn't work, you'll probably do it less. But Ephesians 4 is talking about, no, hang on a minute, you're a prisoner of the Lord. He loves you. He's called you. There's a calling on your life. There's love in your life. As you work with one another, in the working, in the irritation of each other, that's where I work the calling out. Come on now. Man, I learned about calling when I was cutting the grass in a field. Because I went through the process. I'm a son of God. I'm a son. The Lord said, yeah, but I've asked you to serve my cutting the grass. But I don't want to. Well, in that case, you're not a servant. Come on, do you understand that? It's through the, the mundane, it's through the, the, the day-to-day where the Lord puts these things in outworking of our lives. He's given you enough grace. I love this grace. Um, have we got time to do this? Eric, can you just run up here a moment, or jog, or limp, or whatever it is that you do? Eric, we all have Eric. If you don't know Eric, Eric is a great man. Right. Here's a quick example of grace. What I found grace, how it operates. Grace, the Bible kind of means, is that God gives us everything and we don't deserve it. But in my head, in this story, remember Jesus is in the boat. Grace is a person. In my head, in my experience, grace is part of who Jesus is. And what happens is stuff comes at me and he stands in between that and me. Come on. He stands in between it and then he turns it around and he says, all grace to you. So for me, it's not a concept. It's a reality of having Jesus in my boat. Here's the other one. He's now mercy. He hasn't even changed his jump or anything. (laughs) Not a bit there, mate. Mercy is he stops me and you getting what we do deserve. Because Jesus is in my boat and he's called me. But I need someone to help me work like what that is. So what he does this time is all the rubbish, all of the storm. He stands between that and me. He says, no, you're not coming. Do you understand that? Thank you. That was amazing. BAFTA nomination. Give us a cuddle. (laughs) So we want to make some effort. We need people around our lives that are going to say, you need to go and restore that friendship. Well, I don't like them. That's all right, because I don't like you. But that's, not a, that's, a, that's an excuse. That's not a reason. Because, man, I'm loved by the one who loves perfectly. I, I don't ever wake up thinking that God never liked me. But I do wonder why he loved me so much. But he shows to. So that so part of part of our learning, our training, as we're going to go on to it in, in, in the next couple of verses, is that, is that we need each other to work out what love looks like. 
Time's up. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Let us become people that, that don't mind people saying to us, have you made up with that person? That situation's just been going on a bit long now. We need people around us to help us. Do. I've got people around me that do that. Some of them in this room. Because they help me become a better me in Jesus. Does that make sense? Because together it says there is one body, one spirit. This is talking about the body of Jesus. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. I love this calling that when you give your life to Jesus, you're called into hope. But now I'll let you know, we need to live that hope out, especially in a world that has none. I don't know where your hope's gain is today. All I know is that the church is a beacon of hope. There are things that God puts into the church, the body of Christ, which are steadfast. They're non-negotiable. They just don't move. When the storm comes, they don't say, oh my gosh, look at the size of the storm. They say to the storm, look at the size of my hope. But to each one of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's why it says he ascended on high. How many of you know that when that Jesus went to the cross for me, he went into the grave for me, he rose up for me, and he ascended back up into heaven for me. He didn't do any of that for himself. That's, that's grace and mercy. That's the, the man in the boat making sure the boat's all right. But also making sure I've got an opportunity to get in it. But when Jesus went up to heaven, it says he sent down every gifting, every characteristic that he manifested, he expressed on the earth, all of it came, and every ability. Some of you might have a bit of theological thing about that. I'm just going to challenge it a little bit. All right. When you receive the Spirit of God, when you receive the, the power of God, you receive all of that. All of it. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. So you are a gifted person. If you know Christ today, or even if you don't, you might be sat next to someone that does, and they're really gifted. Man, they can help you find Jesus personally. They can help you discover your calling, really. They can help you experience the love of God experientially. But it's going to take the person next to you to help you. It's not about me, it's about you. It's about us, it's about us, isn't it? But you guys on the stream. There's some lovely people watching on the stream. We've already had a little chat with them. Amazing people. There are certain dynamics that God has put into the church. I just want to talk about them briefly because I've only got a few minutes, right? I need to cover this. There are five particular, I believe these are people, personalities. They're not just gifted people. The person is the gift. But hear what I'm saying here, particularly if you've been around Kingdom Faith for a while, which a lot of you have. All these gifts were given by Jesus to do something. Not just be something, but to do something. For example, it speaks about this word apostle. What's an apostle? Apostle is someone that has a vision and direction. They're a pioneer. They stir things up. They kind of know that there is more. And they want you to know that there's more. So I believe these five particular 
people that are gifted, they don't just have an ability to do something, but they also have a responsibility to reproduce something in me and in you. So apostle, yeah, they're pioneering. We, we had a great joy to have such an apostle over this house for many, many years. And because he's now with the Lord doesn't mean we don't have one. His influence is now sitting on your chair. But an apostle, they know how to build truth. They know how to help people experience the reality of the Bible. They know how to help people be the head and not the tail. Then prophetic people. I know a lot of prophetic people and they wind me up because they're always hearing this, that and everything. And it's fine. But part of their role for you and for me is to help me hear from God better. Not just, wow, that was an amazing thing God said to you. Yeah, but they need to help you and me hear from God, that no God speaks, that no, I can hear God's voice, that in the storm I can hear God say, be quiet. Come on now. Then you have another role called the evangelist. These people wind me up as well like crazy. (laughs) But I love them because I need them in my life. We've got an evangelist around at the moment and they kind of wind me up in one level. Because they're always talking about give your life to Jesus. I've already done that. But, but part of what they're doing as well is they want to equip me to share my faith like that. It's not just about them standing up and every time they cough, someone says, what do I need to do to give my life to Jesus? Although I have seen that. Part of their role as well now is I, I need their help to make me more confident in just sharing my life, sharing my faith and sharing Jesus. I need that person in my life. Even though they wind me up, they wind me up because they're not like me. Yeah. I might be winding some of you up. Connie's nearly asleep, mate, bless him. I, I might be winding some of you up because I'm not like you. Well, you need to be thankful. Yeah. That was too quick, Rosie. Yeah. Mate. Then we have pastors. He'll come and give us a bit of a kiss when we're not feeling quite right, which is lovely. But I'll tell you what a pastor also needs to do is help me kiss someone I know isn't quite right. It's not just about me feeling loved and comfortable. That's why I love this first family. You had one that's full of peace, but the other one is like, oh, I'm coming out and I'm having to go. I love that. And this is what these five gifted people, persons, personalities, these people, that's what they do. They don't just break through, they help me break through. They don't just bring a word from the Lord, they help me hear from God. They don't just love on people. They help me be a little bit more forgiving. They don't just go out there and sneeze and people give that say, no, they help me and just be a bit more confident with, I know someone that really loves you. And then teachers, and, and I love teachers. I couldn't eat a whole one, but I love them. <laughs> and they just have this, they just understand the Bible. It's like, oh, it just confuses me. But I love that I can sit under a teacher and they just explain what I can't understand. But what I also love about this is that they help me understand what I didn't know. Just got a couple more minutes. It's all right. So have you got this? So these fivefold, we need them in the church. We need all of them. And in some degree, we're all influenced by some more than others. But we need them all. Like we needed all these amazing families to hear about peace 
and breaking out and thanksgiving and fl- we needed all of them yes. not just one why the Bible's really clear and, I, I, and this is something which has become an, an ingrained passion of my own heart to equip his people for what here's a question what is your work of service I won't give you a space, all right? Because some of you might be thinking, oh, I don't know, all right? Some of you might be thinking, I want it to be that, but maybe God hasn't said it's that, it's this. (laughs) But somewhere for you and for me is something only you can do because God's only called you to do it. But together we can find out what that is. Together we can equip you to be the best at that you can be. Come on. But there's a work of service, there's a doing. So that the body of Christ may be built up. Yes. So that we become significant in the right sense of the word, that God's presence is really strong and powerful in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, our colleges, as well as Sundays. Because this isn't about Sundays, it's about every day, right? Then it goes on and says, uh, that until we all reach unity in the faith. This is this unity again, that we all have the same confidence that God is more than enough. God is able to do what I can't do and become mature. We could do a whole day on maturity. Maturity for me is I become God-dependent first, person-dependent second. For me, right? Sorry if it's not theological enough for you. But I've, I've had the privilege of going around many, many, many churches. I was at one two weeks ago, and um, very long story short, both of us that were going really didn't want to go, but we went because God said go. So we learned a bit about obedience. <laughs> we turned up in the middle of worship. There was a mum whose daughter had, had brought her in because she couldn't walk properly. She had two compressed discs. She sat on a chair like Rosie sat on with cushions all around her. Middle of worship, she jumps up and says, I'm healed. But we learned a lesson there. We learned a lesson that the lady behind her came up after and said, I've been in this church 50 years and I've never seen that. And that really hurt my heart. This is no condemnation, but I don't want to be someone that's known Jesus 40 years, but I'm still only one year old. Come on. I want to see everything that God is. I want to see everything that God can do in you. And that's what I believe maturity is about. It's not just about getting old. It's about getting mature in the things of God. We become very God dependent. We know how to wake God up in our boat. And then we attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And I'm going to finish with this last couple of verses. Now you understand why we dipped into Mark. Then we'll no longer be infants. Doesn't say young people or new Christians, we're all infants until we start to mature. This isn't an age thing. This is an experience of God thing. And maybe some of you are here and you don't know God at all. Well, let me tell you, you might be sat next to someone that's known God a while, but they're still acting like they're an infant. Feed me, wash me, love me. In one sense, there's nothing wrong with that, but we need to grow into more than that. So that it's going to wash you, kind of feed you, kind of help you. Do you understand that? 
says, will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, I don't know about you, but I, live on, I want to live in the instead. Instead, speaking the truth and love. I pray that that's what I've been doing. Man, I don't want to wind you up in the wrong way. I want to wind you up in the right way. We all grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And here's some thoughts. Because from him, the whole body, joined together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. I believe maturity comes through application. So here's some thoughts for you. Is Jesus in your boat? Don't know. You'll know that. Or are you in your boat? Who are you joined to? Who are you supported by? Who are you supporting? Where are you growing in this grace of God? Where do you need to grow? Who are you building truth and life and love into? And who's building into your life? And what's the work? I probably should have put some speech marks around there because we're all at work. What I'm talking about is the work which you choose to do beyond your pay packet. The work that you choose to do beyond reputation or prestige or platform. It's that. And now I'm not saying nobody's doing any work here. What I'm saying is I think there's a direct connection between maturity and work. That's right. Maturity and serving. Yes. Is this making any sense to anybody? Because my time's up. Yeah. I just want to pray. Is that all right? Yeah. Please don't throw stuff at me. <laughs> if you want to ch- chat about what I've been sharing, please, because I'm here. I'm coming to the welcome meal. Oh, that's fine. He ignored me. It's fine. I'm coming to welcome you, Colin. Pastor Colin, I'm coming to the welcome you. Is that okay? But I just pray that for, if you're part of the body of Christ, wherever you are, here online, you, you say, Lord, where do you want me to work? Where do you want me to serve? Who do you want me to serve? If you're not part of the body of Christ, maybe you don't know Jesus at all. Maybe ask someone that you came with. Maybe someone in your dedication group. Maybe me. Say, how can I find out more about Jesus? I'd love to introduce you to him. Father, I want to thank you that you are the apostle, you are the prophet, you are the evangelist, you are the pastor, you're the teacher. We also recognise that you've put those characters and those characteristics within our lives. And Lord, if we've had a wrong view of them, please forgive us. But we thank you that they're not just a position, but they are a function. Because I need help on my journey. I want to become mature in my faith. I want to represent this unity in the spirit that you say we have. I want to see your goodness within families, marriages, in churches, schools, colleges. I want to see the best that you are in people. So I thank you for the fivefold. I thank you for the unity in the spirit. I thank you that that we have one faith, one Lord and one baptism. And that's faith in Jesus, baptism in Christ and the spirit of Christ. And if anybody here this morning just doesn't know you at all, I thank you that you love them. 
Thank you that you have a calling for their lives. You've got a journey for their lives. You've got a destiny for their lives. And you're prepared to come into that life and help them cross the river, cross the lake, cross the sea, whatever the storm might be. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.